The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the paws on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the fields and on his way back, he neared the house. He heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf. Because he sent him, because he was him, he has him back, safe and sound. He became angry. And when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, 
my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice. Because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. Ah, glorious day. Don't you love spring? Spring is amazing. The valley is so beautiful right now. You see how green it is? We live in such a beautiful place. I never get tired of saying that, by the way. You're so lucky. Praise the Lord. But praise the Lord, especially for this, these readings, especially these gospel readings. One, it's one of my favorite. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You know, as your pastor, I always love talking about money, right? I'm always talking about money, 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 money. <laughs> and I apologize if I do. And because the reason why I bring this up was because next weekend, when we talk about money again, it's our annual tradition as a diocese of Sacramento. We do the annual Catholic appeal. And I'm going to appeal to you to prayerfully consider donating to our yearly tradition. Beautifully, last year, we, our whole diocese raised $4.1 million. And so that's amazing, that which funds many of the charitable organizations and the ministries of the church. And so... Again, the, there's some envelopes in the pews. We'll have more. I, I, we use a lot this morning in Portola and yesterday. So I'll bring more, but to, to prayerfully consider. And many of you also receive it in the mail. But I want to broaden the conversation. Why from the very beginning, giving was part, an essential, integral part of the Christian life. If you were Christian, you were You were giving. That was just part of our, of our identity. And the question always is, why? Because remember, whenever we look at Scripture, we always strive to have a, a biblical worldview. We don't just see things normally the way everybody else does. No, we penetrate the depths. We have a biblical worldview. And so we want to dive into it. Why is it so critical for us to give? And to understand this. Let's go back to Genesis. Harken back to Genesis. We have that beautiful story in Genesis chapter 3 of the fall. We all know the story well. Eve is in the garden. God has created this lush garden. And Eve is walking around the garden and then all of a sudden enters in the serpent. Listen to the voice of the serpent. This is Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. The serpent said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from, the, from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said you shall not eat of this. So imagine, Eve now has, a, has her, old, her old choice to choose from any of the fruit of the garden. But God said there's one tree in the middle of the garden Stay away from it. Do not eat of this fruit. And then the devil begins to entice and to tempt Eve. 
Now following next in, the, in verse chapter 6, this is what happens. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the forbidden fruit, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit. At this moment, I imagine all of humanity at that moment. Here's Eve, imagine. Eve, our, fir- our first mother, reaching for that fruit. All of humanity is screaming at her. Mom, don't do it. Don't touch the fruit. If you eat it, this fruit is going to mess everything up for us. And so you see everybody screaming, don't do it. But to Eve, again, the tree was good for food. It was beautiful. She saw that she could become wise if she ate it. She picks it and then eats of it. And all of humanity now falls. At this moment, something happened to the human heart. A sickness, a cancer infected all of us. We see this result immediately after Genesis chapter 4. We have now the children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, enter the picture. We've spoken about this numerous times. Cain and Abel now, immediately following the fall, notice what God does next. God immediately institutes a 10% requirement of our wealth to go back to him. Ask yourself why. Because remember, with the biblical worldview, our, our lens is always asking, God, why? Why did God require 10% of us to give back to him? Is it because God's broke? Is he broke now? He, needs, he, he requires money from us? Is God a mobster? We got to pay a percentage to pay him off? So that's a huge question. God, God, why? And so, because now Cain and Abel are meant to offer back 10% of their income to, back to God. It's said that in their offering, God looks more favorably upon the offering of Abel compared to Cain. Why? Because Cain's heart has fallen into the trap which we all fall into. In order for me to be great, I must acquire more. Keep it for myself. And so Cain holds back a percentage of his wealth, which was required to give back to him. And when now we live our life like this, when we hold back and we fall into the trap of always trying to acquire more and more and more, we live a life of jealousy and rage. And what happens after this event, Cain would conspire and you have witnessed the first murder in human history. Kills his brother. Because his heart was just infected with rage now and jealousy. Jump now in the beginning of Lent. In the beginning of Lent, recall a couple weeks ago, we had a story of Jesus in the desert. Do you remember the temptation that our Lord endured and the strategy of the serpent again? Because the serpent rules his ugly head. What does he say to Jesus, the first temptation? Jesus, if you are indeed God, take the stones, transform it into bread. 
Do you hear now the echo of, of, the, of Garden of Eden? What is that temptation referring to? Bodily pleasures. Do you hear Eve now? Eve, when she saw the tree, she thought that it was good for food. Because part of the sickness is that we think bodily pleasure should be sought after. This is, the, this is by the way, the, the sin of lust, of drunkenness, of, of just enduring every bodily sense. So, so this is that, that temptation. This is where it comes from. Second temptation. Remember in the desert, Jesus now, he says to, to the serpent to, to Jesus, put yourself onto the parapet of the temple and throw yourself off of it. What is that? That's, that's Jesus putting himself center stage for everybody to see him. It's, it's, a, it's an appeal to our ego. Where do you hear that in the Garden of Eden? Ah, oh, that's, that's Eve who says, she sees the fruit and she says, ah, if I eat of this, I'll be wise, meaning I'll be smart, I'll be intelligent, and then everybody will recognize how intelligent I am. The ego, here. The third temptation of Jesus now. Jesus, if you just bow down and worship me, I will give you all of the kingdoms of the world. Do you recognize this appeal now in the Garden of Eden? What is this? Eve who saw that the fruit was delightful to the eyes. This is the attraction and the allure and the intoxication of material possessions. As many of you know, my family, we come from the Philippines. My, my parents, my grandparents immigrated here. I was born here in the States. But the reason why Filipinos come here, we are the second largest Asian group here in the United States, only second to, to the Chinese. And the reason why we come here is because the Philippines is utterly corrupt. It's one of those countries where if you get pulled over by the cops, you pull out your wallet immediately and you just pull out dollar bills. It's one of those countries. You have to pay everybody off to do anything. And so many people will, 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 people will come here and will come to the United States. And amazingly, we're, we're a successful immigrant group because many of us move into, into the healthcare field. By the way, if you ever go to a hospital in a major city, odds are you will have a Filipino nurse. You probably have a Filipino nurse. Why, why is that? In the 1980s, 85% of our nurses fled the Philippines and came to the United States. It's actually a running joke within our people that our parents all want us to enter the healthcare field, always pushing us to become nurses and doctors. I think that's why my mom hates me. She likes just kidding. My mom loves me. But when we get here, because we're immigrants and because we're from a, a lower, lower class, we always have something to prove. And so we're always comparing ourselves to one another. And so how this works out is how you announce to the world that you've made it in the United States. You know what, the, you know what our status symbol is in our community? You can always tell when someone has arrived in the United States and, and they've made it. And that token status symbol is a Mercedes-Benz. If you get a Mercedes in our community, everybody will say to you, yup, they've arrived here. And then the, then the gossip begins to filter all around. Did they buy it new or used? That's the next question we'll ask. Did so-and-so, is it used or is it new? Because if it's used, then we're like, oh, okay, nice, nice try. Mine's new now. And then if it's new, well, I guess it happens that everybody begins to talk about it. And then we all try to up each other. 
Oh, yours is just a 2021? Mine's a 2022 now. You know how much? I got full, it's uh, fully loaded. Look. <laughs> and then everybody begins to try to up one because we join the rat race. Oh, my people. You know what our status symbol is here, by the way? It's not a Mercedes. <laughs> it's a truck. <laughs> All right? It's a truck. Amen? The bigger the truck, oh, everybody would look. Yeah. The Philippines have arrived. They got a big truck. <laughs> look at Roman's truck. It's humongous. Look at those tires. What size are those tires, Roman? 35s? Man. Mine's 37s. <laughs> Where does that come from? It comes from here. Because our hearts attach themselves to beautiful things, the ego, and bodily pleasure. But when we give ourselves to this, as we see in the beautiful gospel reading today, look what happens. The famous parable of the two sons. Notice what the first son does. He's fallen into this trap. He's fallen into the rat race. He says to his own father, Father, I can't wait for you to die. Just give me, give me what you owe me. Oh, the father's heart would have been broken. Give me my inheritance. And he says, and he goes off, his son, he wasted his life on dissipation. That's a polite way of say, saying he wasted his life on all of the bodily pleasures you can imagine. This is the, the food. This is, I mean, you name it. His other brother will later on get more specific. But what happens when we live our life like this? We know. Look what Cain did. A life of rage and jealousy. It's said that eventually when we live life like this, all of these fake Paths of happiness will always fail to produce what it promises. He's utterly broken. And he finally returns home back to his father. And he began to choke up with the last line of his father. He says, your brother was dead and has come to life again. Oh, the joy of his father, I imagine. The joy of a parent to see a lost child. Oh, most of it exploded with love. But notice the second brother, too. You notice the second brother? He's also part of this trap, isn't he? What does the brother say? Look at the brother with his, with his righteous indignation. He says to his father, look at him now. I'm going to dramatize it. We said, look, I've served you, dad. I've served you my entire life. I've never left like this dumb other brother. You, fat, you kill a fattened calf and you won't even kill a little goat for me and have a party for my friends? Do you hear the echo of Eve now? What is that? Bodily pleasure. I want a party for myself. Look at me. Look how majestic I am. Look how big my truck is. Look at the year my Mercedes Benz. Look at my bank account. Do you see this trap that we all fall into? And now, my friends, with that biblical worldview and lens, now do you see why God required of us to give 10% of our income back to him? What now that translates into our modern context? 
It's because the church doesn't require us. It doesn't give us a percentage. No. But rather it gives us a principle. The principle is give back to God. Whatever that is. If you give back to the Catholic Church, praise the Lord. If you give back, give back to some kind of charity. But make sure, and here's the principle, make sure it stings. Make sure it hurts. Because that, that, that feeling of pain, when every time we give back to God and to charity, that is the death throes of our ego. Give until it hurts. And I saw this and I'll end here with a beautiful story. We have a prisoner, just 13 years old. After our Bible study here, she comes up to me with a stack of cash. She's 13. She says, Father, here. Give this to the people of Ukraine. Her name is Natalie. She's just part of the Bonwit family there. She has her own little uh, business where she uh, sells dog chew toys. She made little chew toys for dogs. That's her little side hustle, right? her business. And she gives me a percentage of it. She says, Father, give this back to the people of Ukraine. I said, Natalie, you sure? You sure you want to give this? So yes, Father, Give this to the people over there. Oh, my heart was pierced. Why? Natalie gave more than I did. Sure, maybe it counted maybe $24. But she gave more than I did. Why? Because it required more of her to hand over that cash to, to, the, to charity. Even though my dollar amount may be larger. But it hurt her more to give that up. And I said, Natalie, thank you. You're following Jesus here. And so, my brothers and sisters, give. Whatever you give back to God, make sure it hurts. And when we do, the old self is dying every time. And we'll reflect the charity of Jesus Christ, who himself gave to the point of death.